This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shao Ik. Now, the Ministry of Health recently announced that Tdap vaccination will be provided to all pregnant mothers at government primary health clinics starting from 2024. And this is a vaccine that protects newborn babies against these three diseases of tetanus, diphtheria and pertussis, which are all infectious diseases that can have severe consequences for very young infants. So joining me on the show today, Professor Dr. Nazima Idris, President of the Obstetrical and Gynecological Society of Malaysia. Malaysia to take a deep dive into this issue and to better understand why it is important for pregnant women to be vaccinated um, with this particular vaccine. Prof Nazima, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. Hi, Sherry. Thank you so much. It's good to be talking to you again. That's right. It's been a while. <laughs> um, but for a very important issue, and I'm glad we have you with us to uh, sort of um, make sure we're all on the same page and understand the importance of this immunization. Um I would like to start with a bit of a 101 on the vaccine itself. It protects against tetanus, diphtheria and pertussis, right? So um, mm-hmm. perhaps you'd like to talk about these three diseases, why they're dangerous to babies and how the vaccine uh, protects. Yeah, thank you. I think this is a very important uh, topic that we need to discuss and we need to make the women out there aware of this direction that the Ministry of Health is taking. So Tdap is a vaccine, and I think by now Malaysians are very familiar with what vaccines are. So it's a vaccine that contains adjuvanted tetanus toxoid, uh, diphtheria toxoid, and acellular pertussis. And it confers protection against the three diseases that Xiaowik has mentioned just now. So this tetanus is a serious infection of the nervous system. It caused by a uh, toxin producing bacteria, is Clostridium tetany. It causes painful muscle contractions, particularly of your jaw and neck muscles. So your your muscles in these two areas will will be contracting. And uh, it is that is why tetanus is also known as locked jaw. So it's it's uh, it's uh, in a state of uh, contraction, strong contraction that is very painful, right? Uh, the second is diphtheria. Diphtheria is also a highly contagious bacteria. Uh, it, it produces toxin and it causes inflammation of mucous membrane. Um, if you think about the throat, it actually uh, forms a false membrane of the throat. It causes difficulty to breathe and to swallow. And it has a potentially fatal heart and nerve damage, that toxin that this bacteria produces. Okay? And the third one in this group is the pertussis, also known as the whooping cough. It's a highly contagious, again, it's a respiratory tract infection caused by bordatella pertussis. Um, it causes severe hacking cough. And then you will have a, a high-pitched intake of breath that sounds like a whoop. So that is why it is also known as a whooping cough. So if you look at the, this, um, the effect of these three organisms on the body, you can imagine uh, why it is very dangerous and potentially fatal uh, to have it. It is bad for an adult to have it. It is worse if it is a baby have it. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the the narrative that we've always heard is vaccines have become such um, a success story that in it, in it, in a way, um, the consequences is that people don't realise, they don't even know about these diseases. They don't realise how dangerous and deadly they are because vaccines have worked so well until we've yeah. sort of forgotten about these diseases, right? That's correct. Nowadays, uh, we don't think about this so much, it does not get that much publicity because the vaccine has uh, put it under control. So that is why um, compared to the old days, you don't hear a lot of uh, talk about this anymore. Mm. Having said that, um, it is always there. It is always there. And if we don't take the precautionary measures, it can come back. And if the vaccine can help a certain number of people and babies especially, then we should take it. Because to lose a number of patients or babies, although the number is not big, is still to lose lives. So that is why, although the burden of the disease is not as high as what it was before, the ministry has taken this step of of, um, controlling it even further. Yeah. What exactly are the numbers when it comes to these diseases um, surfacing in Malaysia among children? Okay, so we have we have the numbers because when we vaccinate, we keep the data. If we use pertussis as an example, uh, say in twenty, if you look at the period between twenty nineteen to twenty twenty two, and we have to remember 2020, 2021 is when we have the uh, lockdown and not not many people are out and about. So in 2019, we have 915 cases of pertussis. In 2020, when we have when we started the lockdown, the number um, went down to 136. In 2021, the number is at its lowest. Only 11 cases were reported because people do not get infected, but they are all keeping away from one another. In 2022, when we started to go out again, then the number went up. Okay, from 11 in 2021 to 101 in uh, 2022. Um, it is still lower compared to before the pandemic because people are still taking the measures uh, not to be too close to one another physically. In 2023, when we sort of has gone back, gone back to how we were before, the number has climbed. And as in August 2023, we have already recorded um, 370, 329 cases, 329 cases up till August. Uh, if you were to compare to 101 for the whole of 2022, it is um, three times higher, just up to August 2023. So the, the infection is uh, still there in the community. Hmm. Do we have numbers for diphtheria and tetanus as well, Prof? Uh, the number is not as high as pertussis. So diphtheria's number we do have, uh, but it is uh, not in the three digits like pertussis. I would like to highlight also, it is not just the numbers that of, of the cases. I would like to highlight that pertussis has a death rate of about 7%. The range is the range is normally between uh, seven, um, 5 to 14, has been reported in the literature. But uh, in our own country so far, this year the death rate is 7%. And of this uh, 7%, um, babies below 12 months, okay, they are more than half of the number 
Okay, so so that is why we are paying this special attention to the this very vulnerable group, which is the babies. Apart from the death rate, Prof, um, mm-hmm. even among children who do survive, um, mm-hmm. are there long-term consequences after contracting mm-hmm. the diseases? Yeah, uh, this is nothing that we we must uh, understand and we must know. So uh, we have uh, briefly talked about the effect of uh, when you get the disease, what it, it is uh, about, okay? And um, we know that the complication, uh, in the worst case scenario, you die or the babies die. In others, they have um, complications like severe lung infection, convulsions, and also encephalopathy, which is the disease of the brain. So it can cause them to be disabled if they survive. So that is the picture that that we are seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when you look at numbers, you may not think as big a burden as some other diseases or what it used to be. But when you look at each individual child and what the family goes through, very, very significant, right? Yeah, correct, absolutely. You, yeah, you mentioned babies below 12 months being the most vulnerable. Now, babies do get vaccinated against these three diseases under the children's immunization schedule and there's a six-in-one vaccine that's given from two months onwards, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, um, yeah so, so then why is it that mothers, uh, pregnant mothers, need to get vaccinated? Okay. So if we give the babies vaccination starting at two months old, they will receive at uh, two, three, five months and then another booster at 18 months. So when you give the vaccine at two months, they started to develop antibody. But for the baby to have sufficient antibody to protect itself, it needs a three doses at two, three months. So that means only at the age of five months, uh, will it have sufficient protection on its own, with its own antibodies. So the period when it's born to five months is the period where they, are, they don't get the protection. They're, this is a gap, the gap period of no protection. And this is when they're very vulnerable. Uh, Asians like to go and visit new babies and uh, kiss them, hold them. Um, and we don't know that some of them might actually have the infection and transmitted it to the baby. So um, this is when they get their, their period where they are very vulnerable. If we uh, vaccinate the mother, the mother will produce antibody for herself. That antibody that she produced will also go to the baby, to the placenta, to the baby. And once the baby is born, it will have these antibodies remaining in its bloodstream. So it will be protected until it develops its own antibody. So that's what we're trying to do, to provide the continuous protection uh, to the baby from the time it is born until it has its own sufficiently circulating antibody. Does it also protect mothers themselves from getting the diseases? Yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm. So when a mother gets the vaccine, it protects itself herself from getting the infection and from transmitting the infection to others. And number three, it also protects the baby by giving the passive immunity. Mm-hmm. So there are three benefits that we can get when we uh, vaccinate the mother. Old mother's protection will not infect others and protect the baby too. And with that in mind, we'll go for a quick break. 
first and uh, when we come back we will look at how this rollout will actually take place how and when will pregnant mothers get this vaccine from MOH uh, or government health clinics I'm speaking today to Professor Dr Nazima Idris President of the Obstetrical and Gynecological Society of Malaysia about Tdap vaccination for pregnant mothers and that's to cover tetanus diphtheria and pertussis so we'll come back and continue this discussion health and living bfm 89.9 welcome back to health and living with me t shao ik i'm speaking today to professor dr nazima idris she's the president of the obstetrical and gynecological society of malaysia and um, we're looking at Tdap vaccination for pregnant mothers, which uh, under a new program by the Ministry of Health, will be provided to all pregnant mothers at government primary health clinics starting from 2024. And this is a vaccine that protects newborn babies against tetanus, diphtheria and pertussis. Three very contagious, dangerous and potentially deadly diseases. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the mechanics of things, Prof. How and when will pregnant mothers get this vaccine uh, when they go for their antenatal checkups in government health clinics? Okay, so um, as far as vaccination is concerned, we normally recommend uh, from 13 to 36 weeks. Okay, that, that's the reason for this. In the so 13 weeks is when you already pass the first three months of pregnancy. The first three months of pregnancy is normally the critical period where the fetus is developing, all the organs are developing. Um, so we would not want to do any intervention that could potentially uh, disrupt that process. Number two, the first three months is when if the pregnancy were to miscarry, it would we would have miscarried within that period. So we want to let that period pass first. And from 13 weeks onwards, then um, it is safe to, to take on the other intervention. Right? So that is why we do not normally do it uh, before, 30, uh, before 13 weeks. Okay? About the other end of the spectrum, which is the 36 weeks, we put it at 36 because the vaccine needs about two to four weeks before a sufficient level of antibody is provided. So, and women normally go into labor about between 38 to 41 weeks. So, if you give it at 36 weeks, there is a two weeks period where the women can develop the antibody um, and that can be passed on to the baby. So, that is why the 36 weeks. If we were to give it later than 36, and if she were to go into labor or deliver a baby just soon after, then you will not have that protection that we hope to have. So that's the reason for the for the uh, duration and the time of giving the vaccine during pregnancy. Yeah. Mm. So if she delivers um earlier, if it's a preterm baby, mm -hmm. that's a tricky bit, right? Because <laughs> people can go into labor anytime. So that is why we advise do not wait until too late. So around twenty eight weeks is probably a good time to vaccinate. Mm. But mm. um, you know, in terms of where it comes in during the antenatal checkups. Uh, mm -hmm. Is it for the mothers to say, okay, I want it now, or would mm -hmm. it just be scheduled in during her checkups? Oh, okay. Uh, I think to standardize uh, the practice and to make it more systematic, the ministry will advise, uh, although you, it can be given at any time between this, uh, normally, just like the tetanus uh, vaccination now, we do it at 28 weeks. 
So I think when the time comes, uh, probably the advice is to do around 28. But if you miss the 28, you still have the time to to do it after as long as it is before 36. So how many doses uh, of the vaccine is required? Yeah, just one dose. Just one dose. Mm-hmm. Are there any pregnant women who might be excluded from receiving this jab for any reasons? Uh, as far as the vaccine is concerned, you do not have very many women who are not eligible or who can be excluded. Probably the very in a very rare situation where you have received the vaccine before and you had severe reaction to it, then we would probably not suggest giving the vaccine to you. Or if you are very ill from whatever condition, then we do not uh, probably will not give it to you. But it depends still on the assessment by the doctor. So if uh, it is okay to give, then they will receive it. So in short, almost everyone is eligible or can safely receive the Tdap vaccine. Mm. And speaking of almost everyone, um, in their statement, the Ministry of Health said the jabs will also be provided to non-Malaysian women. Uh, why is this important, Prof? <clears throat> I think it's for the simple reason that we want the herd immunity. So the less people, the more people who are vaccinated, the less people will be infected and will not infect others. And then we can develop our herd immunity. The Ministry of Health has always been very generous and does not discriminate whether you are Malaysian or non-Malaysian. They will receive uh, the standard antenatal care, just like uh, any other pregnant woman. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to vaccination, one of the concerns that always comes up is side effects. Um, and more so, this is a vaccine that's uh, administered to women who are carrying an unborn baby, right? Um, first, are there expected side effects of the vaccine on the mother? And will there be any effects on the unborn baby? Mm-hmm. Just like any other vaccine, once you receive the injection, you can have some pain, redness, swelling at the place where you are injected. You can develop mild fever, headache, uh, nausea, this, that. Um, it does not uh, endanger the baby. The effect on the mother is mild. Um, they can, if they are feeling feverish, they can take paracetamol to, to counter it. Um, but it has no dangerous effect on the baby, obviously. What should women do, though, if they are concerned about the side effects they're experiencing? And um, typically, you know, we are just a lot more anxious and and more alarmed during pregnancy, right? Just talk to us and we'll explain things to you. And we think if you need some pain relief or or, uh, fever medication, then we will give it to you. Mm. So, you know, before um, this decision by the Ministry of Health, um, was the vaccine actually provided to pregnant mothers, um, you know, anywhere within the healthcare system? Oh, okay. Um, when the realisation that Tdap vaccine is better than just the nurse vaccine, colleagues in um, taking example from the other countries who have already have uh, the vaccination program for pregnant mothers, colleagues in private uh, sector has already started giving Tdap vaccines actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess kind of extending from that a little bit, um, for women who don't seek antenatal care in the government clinics, will the vaccine continue to be available to them in the private sector paid out of pocket, yes, of I suppose? Course. Yeah. Yes, of course. Mm. Yeah. How, how much um, does it cost if we are paying on our own? The vaccine itself costs about 100 plus, depending on where you take it. 
about mm. that. Okay, and you just need one dose in pregnancy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this That's is the life and safety of your baby, right? Yep. Uh, when the government announced that they're going to start giving a TDAP vaccine from next year onwards, quite a number of already pregnant patients now uh, have decided to get the TDAP vaccine already because they might not be in the in the might not be pregnant next year, might not be in the correct uh, gestational age to receive it. So they have started coming to colleagues in private sector to get their TDAP vaccine. So we are quite happy with that uh, with that um, development where mothers are aware of these um, changes in the vaccination regime for them. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, are you hearing any hesitation or even straight up refusal to get vaccinated? Yeah, there's always our concern, right? Especially when vaccine has been receiving quite bad publicity some time ago. Yeah. Um, pregnant mothers are a special group of patients, I would say, because they're very aware of their health issues and they're very aware about protecting the babies. So um, I would say it would be very rare for the mothers to refuse uh, getting the vaccination because one, they're already very familiar with the tetanus vaccine. And we can explain that this is tetanus plus another two diseases that we are protecting with this one chap. Uh, I would not think that it's going to be a, a huge challenge to actually get the mothers to uh, take this vaccination too. We never want to be complacent though, right? Um, do you think there's anything that should be done to increase awareness and education to ensure that the needle doesn't swing over to vaccine hesitancy and refusal too much? Yeah, that's always been our concern because uh, even now, occasionally, we are seeing mothers who say no vaccination to their babies. Because they said the baby has already got its natural uh, protection. Um, so that is their understanding. So what we need to do is to educate our staff, healthcare professionals, so that they will be able to educate the mothers too and um, address their concerns and explain in a way that uh, they understand why we are doing this. So the for me, uh, the bigger challenge is making sure our own staff can explain it to the mothers uh, because during pregnancy uh, what we um, have experienced so far is the mothers are happy to listen to our advice so we must make sure that we give uh, the correct the accurate and adequate advice to them that's interesting right because um you shouldn't wait just until after the baby is born and uh, it's only when they see the pediatricians or, or go for their children's checkups that you start doing this education. It should start well mm -hmm. beforehand, right? Um, are we seeing numbers of the children's vaccinations dropping? Is there cause for concern there? Mm. If we look at the uh, vaccination rate, uh, actually there is a a real concern because if we look at the DPT, the the diphtheria pertussis tetanus vaccination among the babies, among the, the children, in 2021, it has dropped to 95% from the previous years, uh, 2017 to 2020, just to take the, the most recent years, it was actually between 98 to 99%. Um, 
So the drop to 95 might be just 3 to 4%. But if you think about over 400,000 babies are born every year, that is actually a huge number of babies. Uh, so this is actually a real cause for concern, um, especially to our pediatric colleagues. Uh, yeah. Pregnant mothers, uh, well, we see to be that they are more compliant to to the to the advice to the vaccination. Um, but once the baby is born, I think there are a lot of I'm not sure information misinformation that comes, and that has resulted in the vaccination rate have gone down mm. to 95. Um, is this a vaccination that mothers should receive every pregnancy? Right, that's correct. It's not lifelong and therefore with every pregnancy, they should uh, get a new dose of vaccine. Mm. Regardless of the gap between pregnancies? Yeah. Mm. yeah. We so. say for every pregnancy, take one jab. Mm, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, do you anticipate or have you encountered concerns uh, from women who say so many jabs, you know, so frequently? I mean, if, if the pregnancies are close mm, yeah, together. Yeah. Um, not really. Not really, shall we? Because we say you need this to protect you and to protect the baby. It's just a one jab. Uh, don't worry too much about that. The Your protection or your safety is more important than other consideration, I would say. And you say, okay, I'll take the jab. And should other members of the family or other caregivers also get this kind of jab? I mean, you know, if you consider that, um, like you said, as Asians, we're close-knit families, a lot of people chip in to help out when a baby is yeah. born, right? Yeah. Okay, it's a very good point, Shari. Because there is a strategy called cocooning, it says a cocoon. So this is when we vaccinate others who actually comes into contact with the baby. Fathers, grandparents, domestic helpers. So we vaccinate them. So they will not uh, have the disease. They will not transmit it. And therefore, it will protect the infant. But uh, we know that this cocooning alone without maternal immunization and, uh, and the childhood immunization is not adequate. Not adequate. But if you talk about ideal situation, of course, the mother gets its vaccine during antenatal period. The baby gets its vaccine at two, three, five months. And the people around the baby, the cocoon effect is there. So that would be most ideal where mm. there's like three layers of protection. Mm. But it's a bit difficult to implement because we don't know who else will be coming to the baby. And therefore, the next best is still to vaccinate the mothers during antenatal period and vaccinate the babies according to its schedule. Mm. But if um, people in the cocoon um, do get vaccinated, when is a good time for them to get the jab? Um, If we talk about protecting a particular baby, at least two weeks before they come into contact or they're expected to come into contact with the baby, they should get vaccinated. Mm. But that one is optional. It's voluntary. Um, you pay out of pocket, right? You have to go and seek yeah, the that's jab correct. on that's your correct. own. Uh, it's not in the national immunization system. Mm. Do you anticipate, or does um, does the society uh, anticipate any struggles or challenges when MOH starts rolling out these vaccines next year? I think we should always anticipate challenges. Uh, especially after we have seen what could happen uh, when we wanted to introduce a COVID vaccination. So we should anticipate that. Uh, 
at the same time, we are quite confident that we can explain it well to the mothers because they, this is not something very new. They have been receiving tetanus infection during their pregnancy and we have not had any problem. We have not had refusal uh, for tetanus vaccination. So the same jab with two additional uh, disease protection. So will not anticipate too much challenges, but we'll be prepared to answer their questions. Mm. You get protection from three for the price of one, right? Something um, like that. Yeah, probably that's a good strategy. <laughs> we like our economical value, don't we? Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe to wrap up, Prof, if you could paint us a picture from the public health perspective, right? Big picture. Mm-hmm. What would happen if we don't protect as many mothers and babies as possible? Okay, okay. Imagine babies younger than one year having pertussis, suffering from life-threatening breathing problems, suffering from lung infection, causing damage to the lung. Imagine babies having convulsion, severe convulsion, and diseases to the brain, encephalopathy. Imagine some babies die from this infection. It's definitely not a pretty picture, right? So if we do not go ahead with this vaccination, a number of babies will be in this situation, okay? So we will see more babies with disabilities. We will see a perfectly healthy babies who were born but died from pertussis. And it's going to be a huge tragedy because pertussis is a vaccine-preventable disease and we know how to prevent it. Yep, absolutely. Well, I think that that sends a very, very strong message. Um, Your final, I guess, push for women to go and uh, ask for this and and uh, make sure that they get the jab. Okay. See, as obstetricians, what is most important to us is the safety of both the mothers and the babies. Um, we are not just about um, concerned about the mother's health only, but we're going to make sure that the babies that she delivers are healthy from the time the baby is born. And if we can do something to prepare the baby in the early month of his life uh, to be well, then we will do it. Okay, we have been concerned about the gap period when the babies were born and the time when it will have the protection of its own antibodies. Okay, but uh, we have not had the opportunity before this to close that gap. Now that the Tdap vaccine is available and uh, it's going to be given in the antenatal period, there is an opportunity for us now to close that gap and to protect the babies. So please go get your vaccine. Just go get your vaccine. Thank you so much, Professor Dr. Nazima Idris, President of the Obstetrical and Gynecological Society of Malaysia, explaining why the rollout, the upcoming rollout of the maternal Tdap vaccination for pregnant mothers starting from next year is going to save a lot of lives. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the VFM app.